Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Cindy Rodriguez here with me. Cindy is the founder of LMU Girls, a 501c3 that assists rural teens with a sewing vocation to ensure they have a voice, choice, and a bank account. They're a grassroots organization that disrupts child bride and female genital mutilation rituals. Cindy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are so, so welcome. I just, when I found you on social media, uh, when I saw your mission, I was just like so drawn to it. And we had a conversation, I don't know, probably a month or so ago, because I was just like, please tell me more if you're open to it. This sounds so, so interesting. It's so, I don't know, it just spoke to me immediately. Um, and so I was so excited to have the chance to to actually share this with other people as well. Oh, thank you. So why don't we start out? I just want to hear a little bit more about your story and how you got into this. Because I think for a lot of people doing something like this sounds, it's it's really awesome. But it also probably sounds like really, I don't know, maybe like difficult to get into or like, how did you start that? And probably seems a little bit overwhelming. So why don't you share, I know a little bit about it, but why don't you share with the audience just kind of how you found this, how this um, kind of fell into your lap? Yeah, Um, I'll share with you a little bit about the why, um, because I think that sort of drives, you know, the openness of different experiences that we all have, Um, you know, just looking at Cindy and who I was as a kid, um, I was super smiley. Oh, a youngest of five kids, um, really happy kid that always wanted to make a difference in the world and, um, and to be, you know, incredibly adventurous, (laughs) um, and sometimes mischievous. Um, I, I, I really, um, have come to realize a lot about my family, but I think, you know, my grandfather um, was part of one of the first Mexican labor camps in Los Angeles. And there's, you know, now I can put a, a, a name to it, but it's basically like intergenerational trauma that I think we experienced as kids. It was, it was subtle. So my grandfather, um, well, my father really grew up in an era where he was poor, but happy. And there in the, in the 30s and the 40s, um, they desegregated the schools. And the experience that he had was 
was really radical um, where, you know, they were forced to go into sort of like an all white neighborhood school and they were really treated like dirt. Um, you know, the, the deep shame he felt with being Mexican um, happened at a, you know, when he was like in his teen years and just made an impact on him that, that really has altered his life. Um, you know, everything from when I ask him about, you know, those, those days, he, he's, he's 90 something years old right now. And it still brings tears to his eyes mm-hmm. because it was just so, you know, the shame and the fighting, the teachers not willing to teach them. They were, they were worse than second class citizens. And my dad um, left off to the army and, and married my mom and sort of really protected us from that. But having that so deep inside of him, um, the way that it translated to us as kids was, was shame about um, being Mexican. We kind of just got stripped from our identity. And that was okay because we were plopped into this like all American neighborhood. And and in some ways now I realize like it's great because I don't really see colors. I don't see ethnicities. Like there's no barrier there. But what I, I remember sometimes like insults in my house would be like, you look the most Mexican of all of us. And Mm. just mean, mean, mean things related to, you know, like that deep, shame. And so my parents, you know, um, I, I think my parents tried to protect us and really had a focus on education. And we all, we all went to school. Um, you know, for me, I, I, um, have a double master's degree. I, you know, um, got married. I had a successful career as a vice principal, two kids and fast forward to, I stopped working and, um, I had this opportunity. I think I was a little bored, honestly, I had this opportunity and the adventurous part of me was like, Oh, um, tell me a little bit more about this opportunity going to Kenya and, um, and helping teachers at a little, you know, Hodunk school in Sabaki village. And that sounded very attractive to me. And, and also it felt safe because I had a friend that, um, who I used to work with that was now living in Nairobi. So there was sort of like a passageway for me to, to feel safe and, you know, sort of buying a plane ticket. Um, I felt like I was going to be pretty sheltered, um, you know, staying with, with this woman named Nina, who was the founder of um, Elamu. And at that point in time, I was going to go visit the college or sorry, the, the elementary school. And um, so I flew over there and I visited the, the kids and where, you know, red, brown bear, brown bear. It was like this great experience. And in the afternoon, Nina had said, Hey, um, why don't you come check out some of the other projects that we're working on? So I was like, great. So it's like a dusty road. We're in a tuk tuk and we arrive at this sort of like gated compound and it's got this big red gate. And so she, she opens the gate and, and you look in and you see like cows and chickens and this big sort of grassy area. And then this like very simple building. And so I walk up the stairs and I mean, it's just a moment in my life that, that really was like, well, bam. I mean, I, I won the sounds of the sewing machine because um, they're all push pedal. There's no power. And so it's like, zoom, zoom. But then it was just like this wave of all the stuff that I never dealt with as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and it was deeply impactful. It's hard to describe, but basically, you know, I literally wanted to grab every single one of those girls and just like hold them and be like, you're so worth it. I see you. 
And um, that's how I was feeling. I, I didn't even realize it. <clears throat> and so in that, in that same afternoon, um, there was an opportunity. Well, there, there was a, there was a, basically like a refugee camp um, that had been settled in the, in the week before, because I happened to go during a period of sort of political unrest. They were having presidential elections. And so what was happening is that all the women, the moms of the girls who were from this Tana river Delta area had literally walked like two hours in the bush. And um, the, the owner of the college was willing to house them. So I remember I said, okay, I'll go. And so we kind of walked through and it was another sort of building, a few buildings attached to each other. And, oh my gosh, I mean that, I had never seen anything like that. I think it really was culture shock for me. Seeing the little kids, you know, with with the sort of engorged stomachs and walking into one of those rooms and seeing one of the women holding a baby that she had just had. And she literally like lifted her hand to me to shake my hand. And I was so ashamed because I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, I hope I don't catch anything. And of course I shook her hand, but it's all these, all these thoughts that we all have. I'm just like a, you know, Joe Blow mom that bought a plane ticket to Kenya and is having this experience. There's nothing so special about me. I was really just kind of living off that adventurous um, spirit. It really could have been like a one and done and for whatever reason, this was placed in front of me and, and, and made a deep impact that day. And so I decided, you know, that moment, I'm never going to forget these people. Like I'm going to go back home. And um, I didn't exactly know what my plan was at that point, but I knew that I needed to do something in my life to help these people um, in a way that, you know, so little goes such a long way. So when I got home, I started a 501c3 and and I really um, treated it a little bit like a mom project where every year I would do like a 5K or a 10K or a triathlon, you know, and was able to raise money every single year and drive some awareness. But I think there was a lot of work that needed to be done with me. And that sort of like wha-bam wall of just um, why these girls, you know, unbeknownst to me, just drew out all these feelings in me um, of shame and, and worthiness I had to do some work. And so I have been. Um, and, you know, I think learning to be aware and breaking through things is like the best gift they have given to me. Mm-hmm. Because last year I just went in November and um, I don't get paid for any of the work I do, but I get paid like, you know, millions of dollars in, mm-hmm. in love and, you know, I'm, I'm all of five foot two and I feel like I'm six feet tall when I'm with them. I mean, they really, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. The mirror you see in a complete stranger, you know, and everyone always says, Cindy, that's so amazing. You do this work. And it's like, little do they know that, um, it's the work that they've done for me and, you know, allowing me to really be a better mom to be a better person, to, to give, um, to drive awareness, to help impact, you know, um, child bride and, and female genital mutilation. So a little bit about the girls and who they are. Um, I thought I would share a story about Saida. Um, many of our girls that we, so the program LMU girls, let me back up. The program LMU girls is a two year sewing college program where they board 
and they basically get like um, like a national certification at the very end of the two years, as well as a sewing machine. But but truly, it's really like this. It's this magical one room all girls sewing college that you know through song, through counseling, through mentoring, through sharing. Um, the craft is just the vocation is just sewing, which in and of itself is amazing. But it's really this transformation that that daily um, our teachers, you know, work with them on with having courage um, to be probably one of the first females in their villages that will start the conversation about, um, you know, do, they don't want their sister to go through female genital mutilation or they, you know, they might push back their, to their aunties to say, you know, why are we doing this? It doesn't make any medical sense, you know, start really breaking the pattern because we know legally at the policy level, both female genital mutilation and child bride um, are illegal. Um, You know, but at the grassroots level, it, it, it happens. I mean, these culturally it happens and these villages are so not accessible where our girls come from. They're, you know, they're these rural villages. Um, They're difficult to get to because, it they're all dirt roads um they're 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 with they're maybe 100 miles away from the nearest police station so there's no accessibility for these girls to sort of you know reach out to someone outside of their village to to see if they could get help um and in the case of child bride saida is one of our students that i want to share with you today that she's one of nine girls and um, she received an education up to about seventh grade. And she had gotten wind that her dad um, was discussing a dowry for her to be married. So that's, that's sort of how child bride works in these, um, you know, Kenyan rural communities. A dowry is based on the English, you know, system. And it is usually for money. And, and in some cases, if you're, you know, the ninth girl and it's the you're married off as a third wife. It could literally be for a cow or a chicken or a goat Um, because under Sharia law, you can have legally up to four wives. So oftentimes you could literally be sold as a fourth or have a dowry exchange as a fourth wife. So Saida got her, got wind that um, the men in her family were discussing, you know, a dowry and she wanted to go to school, but you know, most of the girls are passed over for their brothers if there is an opportunity to send them to school beyond eighth grade. So the answer was no. And um, so what she did was she cut her hair. She chopped it all off. And her father was furious with her because the message that that sends is that she's still a little girl. And, um, you know, that's reducing like any dowry price if they could still exchange her. But ultimately, most people would not want a little girl. And so we got wind of this story and, um, she, she was able to join LMU girls and she's amazing. She's one of these, she's feisty, obviously. And now after she graduates, she goes back to her village and she's has a little outdoor sewing shop and there's not a chance that her father is going to exchange her for a dowry because she brings in income to the family. So, you know, oftentimes people feel like, how do I impact, you know, child bride advocacy? Like you mentioned at the beginning that it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a tidal wave of these rituals that they have. Um, And I I often feel that way too, because there's a reality that, 
you know, culturally, it's really, really difficult to change things. But if you don't ever break a pattern, it never, ever changes. So if you believe in the power of one person, which I do, um, then Saida has already broken that pattern. She rat literally the the day she graduated and has that sewing machine and is trucking back in a bus to her village. She has radically shifted um, to to be able to break that pattern. I mean, to me, um, you know, having the, the nearest policeman, you know, hundreds of miles away is is just not good enough. And so it's like, okay, well, what else can we do? And this this we're disruptors. Um, Elumu girls mm. are disruptors, mm-hmm. and. Um, I've come to really love this work. I wish there were hundreds of thousands of girls we could put through the college. Um, and ultimately, you know, I would love to go speak at the UN and, and tell and, and shout, shout from the, the mountaintops to see if, you know, we can put quite a few more girls through school because that's really how you begin to impact change. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that it's just so interesting to hear kind of your background. Like you said, you grew up just wanting to make a difference. Like you just, you just knew that was part of you. And that's something that, you know, resonates strongly with me and so many people that I talk to on this podcast and also the people listening. And I think for a lot of us that want to, to do that, it can be really difficult to figure out how, you know, what, what way am I meant to do that? How am I supposed to? And, and then two, I think kind of the other struggle that really comes into play is the idea of how, like, how can I possibly impact the world? You know, we see as difference makers, we kind of see all these things that we want to change. There's so many things in the world, right? There's an infinite number of, of problems, mm-hmm. not, not to be negative about it, but they're just, they're just yeah. is. Um, so it can get really overwhelming really quickly. Yeah. And so I think that it's really interesting to just kind of look at both of those things to, to first start with the latter there. Like for me, I know that was like a big thing for me was like, I, I felt overwhelmed at points in my life, just being like, I, you know, I just want to do all the things and I can't, but then what happens is it kind of, you get in a, in a place of kind of paralysis by analysis and you don't end up acting because mm-hmm. you're, you're stuck in your head and you aren't then creating any change really. And, and so I know for myself and I've, you know, I've talked with enough people to have seen it in them too, where they really get stuck at, well, I just can't create the difference that I want, or I'm just not going to be able to make a big enough difference. Mm-hmm. And so I love like, I just love that that's like a a theme of yours that has really really come through to me in something that I really wanted to highlight even going into this conversation so I love that you kind of finished on that note with the story because it's just so so powerful and I think that that you know to if you could take away one thing from this episode right here, that's it is like, you can make a difference. And that's the whole, that's the whole, you know, title of the the podcast, right? It's like the world needs you, you as one person, like it's all about ripple effect. And so I love that you shared that story because like you said, she was the kind of the the stone that was tossed into the pond and now is going to create that ripple. And it has to start small change always starts small but it starts with us and it has to be with us. So I, I love that. And kind of when did you 
I guess to like speak on that a little bit more, when did you really kind of become rooted in the power of one? Because I love, I so love that. You know, I think it's, it's, it's taken me a while. I mean, I think as I've done some transformational work myself and looking at um, what happened that day, I walked into the sewing college and, and how I was so deeply moved in that mirror. Um, I think I've had to really work through like, um, not being selfish, that I have so much to give and it's not, I, and I should give to not return, not get something back, you know, and, and maybe I had always been giving, um, for example, my husband sits on the, on a board for another charity and we would do these big events and, and I always gave cause I, I love the cause, but I would find myself sometimes frustrated with other people if they weren't stepping up to the plate or, um, you know, didn't, didn't, weren't asking, maybe they weren't willing to ask other people for money, whatever it was. And what I've realized is like, be the source, be the source of what you want in other people. And that's the power of one person. You need a tribe to go with you. You can't do everything alone. So Mm -hmm. building a community is huge, but starting is the power of one. In my opinion, it's like, you know, it's really like learn what I, what I feel happy about now is that um, even though I am getting things in return from the girls, um, a life of freedom in, in terms of not, you know, um, not being shackled down by shame or, or those types of things. Um, I still just try to always give to give. And if I find myself ever like, Oh, frustrated or then it's like, you know what, it's going to be the source. Like I go through a little process myself of like, you know what, nope, shift back to show how you show up is what you'll get out of it. And if I show up always with like, here's an opportunity for you guys to make a difference too. Um, you know, regardless of whether they can or not, um, maybe they can volunteer, you know, however I can find a way, a pathway for them. And if they decide, you know what, this is not my passion. This is not my calling. That's fine. Maybe they'll share it with someone else that it is their passion. So I think that's, you know, um, been a powerful thing for me with the power of one is just realizing, um, one, not to be selfish, two, to be the source and three, to realize that the power of one is just the first step into this new place. It really, you need, you, you need the village too. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally love that. It, like you said, be the source, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Like it, it does start with you. Um, so like, that's absolutely number one. And then I think so much of it then is like really being able to just root into that feeling of giving to give, like you said, truly. And this is something that, again, I, you know, I dealt with myself a little bit and I've seen other people as well. For me, when I left my corporate job, I, it was because I was like, I can't do that. Like, this is not how I can live my life. I want to, I want to create an impact. I want to help people. Yeah. And so I was fortunate enough to get into personal training, into the fitness world. Mm. And it was really, really just life-changing for me because I was like, okay, I can make money helping people. This is incredible. I can make a living and help people. This is like the best of both worlds this is so great. But then I think what happened over time was kind of, I I lost a little bit of the sight of giving just to give. Mm -hmm. So over the past few years, like that's kind of come back to me. 
And actually one of my mantras, um, I have it like written on, on a whiteboard and it's lead with love. Mm, yeah. And so it's just, and so I kind of use lead in terms of like, whether I'm talking to people or coaching people or mm. any of those things, but then also just lead in the sense of like putting, putting that foot forward all the time, just leading yeah. with that, going into every conversation, any interaction, any thought process, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's just true. going with that. And truly, like you said, when you give from a place of no expectation of receiving, there's truly no better feeling. And there's no better feeling. I there, totally... there really, there yeah. really isn't. And I Even think that's dealing with other feelings like anger, you know, you just, you, if you commit to being the source you will, um, you will realize that, you know, like you're not, you, you could just let go of stuff. You don't, you know, you really, um, you are the source of, uh, openness of, you know, honest feedback without ang- you know, without spite and, and without anger. Um, yeah, there's so much that comes, comes back to you when you really, when you really give, um, from a place of just, you know, letting go of all the selfish stuff. And then, and believe me, like, I still have to remind myself, I mean, we're sort of selfish, just beings, right? From the minute we're born, <laughs> we're always asking, we, we need this, uh, mm-hmm. we need attention, we need love, we need, you know, so it's okay. It's just that, you know, when you can make the shift, um, even if it's like two degrees and start to give without expectation, um, you'll be an energy giver and not a drainer. And I think that's really, um, that's really powerful as you move through life to be an energy giver. Well, and I think what's like, yeah, before I say anything, I just want to say, I like 100% agree with that. I feel like that is so, so relevant and truly, (laughs) again, another thing, like a nugget to take from the podcast, like that is incredible because really this kind of comes back to being the source, right? Mm -hmm. Because all we can ever control is ourselves. We can't control other people. We can't control how people respond, react, um, their actions, anything like that. So if we can be that person who's giving energy, the amazing thing about this is that it's contagious. So when you do it, other (laughs) people are that much more likely to, because you're creating this environment where you're, kind of, I think kind of along the lines of what you were saying is like, you, you almost kind of, if there are more negative emotions in the room or even just neutral emotions or vibes, like by like infusing that environment with energy, with love, it automatically just like diffuses those other things. And people are so much more likely to step up and respond in their own loving way, which I mean, it's like the closest thing to magic that we have. (laughs) You know, um, I mean, that was so well said. It's like when I go over there and I work with the girls, um, you know, that's, that's the best gift I get. And I think about like, gosh, the, the trauma that these girls have been through. And yet they're so happy. It's like, we get to deliver this story. We get to learn from their courageous stories. And, and I really, um, you know, find myself advocating for these girls, not in a way where it's like, you know, um, a misery index comparison. It's really like, their their happiness and their joy and their songs and their their overcoming their stories is the contagious part that I want 
people to, you know, walk away from LMU girls that, you know, marrying um, advocacy and action that these girls are the disruptors They're you know, it's, it's one by one, but they're breaking the pattern um, of these things that are just basic human rights. You know, when we're born as Americans, we, we have, we're so, we're, we have, we have this luxury and they don't. And um, for me, there was a piece of like relatability to that feels like, gosh, this is a soil you're born into and are born onto and your ethnicity, you were, you, this is your life. And then, and, you know, I could either be like, I'm really sorry for that, you know, or mm-hmm. I could say, you know what, let me learn from your story because wow, how awesome are you that you have all, you know, basically you're bred to be a second class citizen. The, mm-hmm. the, your aspirations are to be a mom, maybe a wife, a third wife. And yet, you handle life with grace, with joy, with a fight, with a fire in your belly. You, you know, so talk about contagious. It's like, it, it's infectious. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fascinating to me. And I love how this kind of ties back into what you're saying about them really just being, you know, you getting back so much from being with them. And one thing that I've always been kind of curious about is the, is that joy. There, there seems to be a purity and it's something that has always fascinated me just how people in those situations can, can express that joy. Whereas, you know, here in, in the States and we have so much, and we still bitch and moan and complain about yeah. so many things. What is, how has that been? Oh, so, okay. I guess a two-part question kind of. Mm-hmm. What has that, like, why do you think that is for one? Yeah. Like, where do you think that comes from? And then two, <laughs> just kind of my personal curiosity, does that ever leave you jaded and frustrated with kind of our, our culture here? Because that has always been a concern of mine yeah. Of like, oh, I'm just going to like hate Americans because like we have some. So t- yeah. talk a little bit on both of those. Yeah. I think the fundamental difference is that we are a consumer society and they're not. There's, they're in survival mode. And, um, you know, they really are at a place where they're harvesting the land to survive. You know, everything is about food in their bellies. Um, here, you know, we, we just start at a different place. Um, and, and, and we're sort of taught the American dream is a lot of like, it's, it's interwoven is this consumerism approach. And um, so I don't, I think it's really just understanding the perspective. I think that's the fundamental difference as far as like, you know, that they find joy because um, their starting point was just so different. They find joy in music. It's just, just simple things and mm-hmm. maybe ours are just more complex. And ultimately what we all realize, I think living in America is that um, those simple things are actually the awesome things yeah. <laughs> that we do really find the joy in too. So um, I think in terms of being jaded about that, you know, I think the very first time I went out to Kenya, when I got home, I was for 30 days, just a big grouch because it couldn't, I, you know, my, I literally like the next day after I got home, my husband's like, you know, so sweet making dinner. And he's like, let's have this amazing bottle of wine. And I had just come mm. off this like, refugee experience. And, yeah. and so it was, it, for me now, I understand it was really just a little bit of culture shock. And, um, you know, we just, we're just, we function differently. We we're from the moment we're born. 
So no, I'm not jaded. In fact, I feel like, wow, I, I feel fortunate. And I feel like, you know, maybe the consumerism part is like, I get to buy a plane ticket <laughs> and go yeah. visit these girls. And so, you know, it's okay. We were all meant to be where we're at. And, um, you know, I think that like, you mentioned at the very beginning, like it's, it's almost like um, romanticized to go abroad and go help in these, whether the villages in Peru or Cambodia, um, you know, Colombia or Kenya or South Africa, wherever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's, it's really a plane ride away. It's happening like right now. I mean, every three seconds, a girl is, um, the, you know, below the age of 18 is married in these, um, emerging, you know, countries. Hmm. And so things are happening all the time. It's really up to us. You know, if you want to, um, if you, if you see a need in the world, whether it's nearby or, or, or plane right away, you know, go after it. And, and it doesn't have to be in a way where you dedicate your life to it. You can go take an amazing trip, have a great time with your family and take one day and go visit, you know, a local village. Um, just see sometimes just you can't unsee what you saw mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me this was put in front of me and this is my life but I don't I I feel like you know I want people to understand it and expose it and I want to get better at tell, sharing the story but I think um if you feel an itch in your belly that you want to make a difference in the world you absolutely can yeah and I think that's such a, a great way of putting it because as we were talking about that at the beginning of like, you know, people potentially feeling overwhelmed or frustrated about how to do that. I think so much of it comes down to exposure, especially like if you, if you don't really know how you want to make a difference, Mm -hmm. I think I, I love how you shared your experience and the fact that you were at like at a loss for words because it's just such a visceral emotional response and that's not saying that everybody who wants to make a difference is going to have an experience like that so it's not like you have to wait until you feel that but I think the informative part about that is that you should try to get yourself in enough situations keep putting Mm -hmm. yourself in situations until you feel something because you'll you'll know right like like you did at that point you you will know when you are in a situation and you just feel energetically pulled, like I have to. And so yeah. I think that's something that's really fundamental for people who want to make a difference yep. and are feeling frustrated about not knowing how or what cause to support yeah. because they can't support all of them is like, right. find something that really like pulls you emotionally. Yep. I think that's like one of the biggest yeah. things. It's just, and, and it's not for like, it, it always all helps, right? It's like one step <laughs> yeah. in, in the right direction. And if you have to pivot a little bit, um, that's fine. But, you know, it's just more tools in your little, your little bag. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, just being open. It's like, even when you talk with uh, people about, you know, um, they can't find the right husband. They can't find the right, you know, girlfriend, whatever it is. It's like, you know, are you an open person? And that's, that's, there's a lot loaded into that, but really um, it's the same with sort of 
getting, feeling gratified. It's like, you know, this, this experience of like, like you said, you know, um, it doesn't have to be leaving to the other side of the world. It could just be going right down the street to mentor a foster kid. And are you open in that experience to feeling a little bit of their pain and really listening and sharing back with them, like your experience. And cause we all have a story. And so sometimes we end up like comparing our story to someone else that theirs is more traumatic or, and no one should do that. It's like, mm-hmm. we all have a story that we can share. And oftentimes it's just about, it's a reciprocity of um, listening. And I think that's really powerful. And we sort of underscore that sometimes. So I guess all that to say, you know, take one step into making a change and being open about it. And you will find um, you open yourself up to a world of joy. Yeah, I I truly believe that being open is is a huge part and then like you said like being aware of your energy, being aware to aware of what you are pulled to. And then two, I kind of wanted to touch on the how we've talked a little bit about how these girls are helping you and giving to you and have created such perspective for you and have really kind of it kind of pushed you on your own kind of journey to to do a lot of your inner work and healing or whatever you want to call it. And this is something that I experienced firsthand also. Like working with clients, it truly is an experience that I am continually growing and healing my own shit and and seeing more things about myself. And so I think this just I wanted to highlight it because I think it just goes back to what we were talking about with giving and that the, the more we give like at, at the core of giving is humanity We're we're, we have a human connection there. And again, the magic of that is not only are we helping another person, but we are always helping ourselves. If we're giving from that, that true giving place, like you and I were talking about And it's always going to lead to us growing as well, which is incredible. And I think it's a starts. I, I we travel a lot with our kids. Um, we're big travel buffs. Well, up to Corona, yeah. but you know, <laughs> uh, I even like I think giving. I'll teach my kids can just like how are you spreading kindness today? It could just literally be in the form of of having an eye to eye contact with someone as you're, you know, um, shoulder to shoulder in a museum and it's hot and sweaty and you just have eye to eye contact and you shoot them a smile. That's giving them something. It's just, and so the connection is never to underscore um, how valuable that is both for the giver and the receiver. Yeah, no. And that's, I love that example. I was just talking to somebody else about this recently of just the <laughs> the impact of making eye t- contact, saying hello, smiling at somebody. It again going back to the kind of feeling overwhelmed, like that stuff makes a difference. Yeah, because then you're giving them again. It's a gift. It truly is its own contagious gift. And so when you're giving that you're giving that to them and now they can carry it into their day. And that impacts the next interaction they have. It impacts the next thing they go to do. It impacts the rest of their work day, like all those things. So truly like, yeah, all all that to say what you just said there is like, 
no act of kindness is too small. Just no. I think you know we are all in sort of the rift of, of just like speed, and 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 Corona has given us this little reset gift. And um, I think you know drawing some awareness to just like slowing down and really you know driving whatever that human contact is for you. Um, you know, like I said, and and even having your kids, and I mean the message you're sharing with the world is just like, yeah, like I see you is really, I mean, that, that's the beginning of it. And, and, um, or maybe you go to the extreme of like myself, you know, where I really see these girls and we drive a lot of awareness. So there's so many places in between where you just, um, you feel really good at the end of the day. And so if you're one of those people that is struggling with trying to find purpose and meaning and, and then, then you should, you know, you should ask yourself to be more open to an experience, another you know, whatever that causes, like you mentioned, um, whatever your passion is, start just one little, one little step that direction and, um, opens a lot of doors to happiness. Truly. Yeah. And just continue to follow whatever that is and just be okay with it not being, because again, I think, you know, some people are going to have experiences like you, but not, not all people are going to have this experience where it really hits them in the face and, And they immediately kind of shift everything to make that their priority. Um, so I love that that you're saying that. Uh, I'm curious. We had we had an inter- had an interaction on social the other day in your Facebook group because you had posted about courage. Yeah. And I wanted to tie this in because I think it's so, or I know how meaningful it is when people want to make a difference and they want to make a change. So we've kind of talked a little bit around that without really specifically talking about it, but also, um, you know, so we've talked a little bit about the people that are, are trying to figure out the difference they want to make. So the next step is always like, once you find that thing and for anybody in that boat right now, if they do know what their thing is, mm-hmm. how do you have the courage to take action on it? Because, you know, and I see this all the time with my clients is like, there's so many, we have so many stories in our heads, right? Oh, who am I to go do this? Oh, (laughs) I don't have what it takes. I don't have the educational background. Oh, I don't have the connections or the network. Oh, I don't have enough time. So what, like, what does courage mean to you? And how, how do you think that people can really start to cultivate that? (laughs) What a great question. (laughs) That's a ringer for me. Um, You know, it's funny because I can have the courage to to go over to Kenya, fly into this little, you know, Hodunk airport, go walk into these villages, you know, Muslims, Christians, Catholics, like just so much chaos maybe. <laughs> and and yet I struggle with starting a Facebook group. So you know, I think when you are aware and you break through things, like for example, you know, I'm a perfect an absolute perfectionist. And I think that when I look at the root cause of that, um, I realized that I felt like I needed to overcompensate to get back love, to be worth it. And so understanding that I still struggle with it every day, you know, because it's just, it's, it's there, but I, I say, okay, I, I get you. I, I recognize this. See you later. And then just try to keep pushing past that. And that's a daily thing that I, personally struggle with. And so the courage part for me is to not record myself when I'm doing a Facebook post 20 times. (laughs) I'll give myself like a little goal of you've got 
two shots, maybe three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the little steps that you take. It's like, um, you know, the two degrees of just like shifting the way you're thinking. That's all I got to do today. And I need 20 seconds of courage just to get this little act done. It's like the de- to done list, you know, you, yeah. you just get it done and you commit. Um, and it was, and it's an uncomfortable zone. Usually it's, it's stepping out of my comfort zone. I always tell that to my kids. Like if you just get a little bit uncomfortable, you are courageous. And, and that's, that's my definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that it's just, it's so much about, like you're saying, it's baby steps, right? You have to, I mean, so I guess for some people, just like diving in head first is the way to go. Yeah, but yeah. for so many, it's baby steps. Yeah. And the... Maybe it's a little bit of both, you know, because I'm like a, I've heard my girlfriend say, gosh, you're a drink from the hose kind of gal. It's like <laughs> with certain things I am. But with other things, literally like like starting a little Facebook group, you know, whatever, there's certain, so we, we they're not mutually exclusive. I love, yes, so, so true. And, and I love that you have that, like, I love that you shared that. Because yes, so many people would be like, oh, like it, it's so, I don't know, so uncomfortable for me to to just book a plane ticket somewhere, be in this country that I know nothing about, like, you know, going from first world to third world and just there'd be so much fear there. I mean, I'm in that boat for sure. Mm-hmm. And so then for you to say that it took a lot for you to create a Facebook group and show up there, <laughs> I think it, it just is the perfect perspective for people to be like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> that you know, just showing that, like, like you said, none of us are perfect, mm-hmm. and the other thing is, none of us are fearless either. Yeah, the, the difference is truly being able to act in the face of fear, and that's exactly what courage is. Yeah. Is mindset. Yeah, it, it's when I, because I like to make this distinction because so many people I think are waiting for that moment where they don't feel fear anymore. Yeah. And that's a bad moment to wait for because it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, mean, I always tell my kids, you know, the, the world doesn't come to you. You have to go out and get it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean like in some like lioness sort of fashion. No way. Just like if, you know, whatever that, like I went and got that little Facebook group started. <laughs> big deal. You know, like that was a big deal to me. Yeah. That's, that's um, you know, I think that's going to meet the world. And so, and like I said, yeah, you know, buying a plane ticket, um, you know, yeah, like you said, it's, maybe that's a barrier for someone. And so, you know, to maybe don't go buy the plane ticket, just go right down the street, find something. There's something everywhere where people need help. You know, we drive all through Koreatown um, in Los Angeles every day when we take the kids to school and there's so many homeless people. Hmm. And so it's like, you know, how can we help them? Like maybe that's where my kids start. You know, we could literally just roll down the window pass off a, a sack of, you know, fruit, whatever that is. Like yeah. there's always ways to spread kindness and there's always ways to um, encourage your courage. Yeah. So quick question. Mm-hmm. When you, I'm curious for you, like when you created the Facebook group or when you're making a post, mm-hmm. how does it feel for you? Like after the fact? Um, yeah. You know, I think I um, feel great about it, but I think that the truth is that you still um, 
you, I always go through so much like awareness and breakthrough every single time. Like mm-hmm. was that well-received, oh, did I look bad? How stupid am I? Like you just, you know, it's just the real thoughts. And so you have to just, whatever your inner voice is, you've got to be able to um, work through that because it doesn't go away overnight. And I have to retrain the brain. I got a lot of junk in my trunk. And so I have to retrain the brain. And mm-hmm. so as yes, I feel great that I put it out there, especially when I get people um, to respond. Oh my gosh, that's like heaven. But either way, I still um, find myself like, you know, it's struggle. So yeah. And so that's, that's kind of, it is like, you have to embrace the messiness of it all and and just, just do it and know that sometimes it's going to be a flop. Sometimes it's going to be great, but what matters is that you showed up for yourself. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And, and that means everything because the, the other thing that I think is really interesting, um, kind of that goes like, it's not the same as courage, but it goes hand in hand and that's confidence. And people are always like, Oh, like, how do I get the confidence to do that? How do I, you know, yeah. I'm not really confident to do that. The way that you build confidence is by acting and by, yeah. by showing yourself that you can do things. So, and that's yeah. why I asked, like, even just these little, little posts over time, yeah. they add up and eventually yeah. you feel great about it. And, and yeah, like we're, we're human, right? We're always going to be worrying if other people are going to like it or judge sure. us or all those yeah. things. But it's like, taking action is how we build our, like how we feel capable and confident. I think it's so interesting that you talk about like, you know, with the confidence. Um, one thing that popped in my head was about masks that we all wear, you know, and most people can really um, relate to like, you know, the, the grouchy mask or the um, bitter mask, but we also have masks where we um, project confidence. We have a, a confidence mask we can have. So, I think that, you know, the more you're aware of how you feel connected with an action, the more you're going to be able to break through um, you, because I think I have a confidence mask because I've learned it through my, through, I, I learned it through my schooling, through my careers. Um, but I'm not, I'm not as confident as I would like to be. Um, so I have to keep working on it, you know, and um, the little, the little nuggets every day. That's really what does it. Yep. Little, <laughs> little by little chipping away and, yep. and doing the work. <laughs> That's that right. Totally In a couple of years, I'm just going to be this uber confident person. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> the courage. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think it helps too, to know that like, none of us are actually that confident, like, or, or even if we are in some areas, there's always going to be other areas where we're not. So yeah. kind of what we've talked about a little bit for the past few minutes is like, again, it's just a humanity thing. Like just understanding yeah. that we're all kind of in this together. It's you might be an expert at yeah. this thing. Absolutely. You might be able to jump on a plane and go to this place and be totally comfortable with it. And I might be yeah. totally comfortable just whipping together a Facebook group and putting a post up. <laughs> yep. So it's like, it's just, I think there's some comfort in knowing that we all struggle with something. Yeah. And that is just like, oh, okay. Like, this person isn't just always this, you know, like super confident, always like yeah, ready to yeah. take on the world because we aren't, we, we just no, are not. not. Yeah. And so no, I think it's so, can... it's so lovely when you feel like you can connect with someone that also, you know, struggles. Um, I remember one time I was listening to Sotomayor. She came to, she came to my son's school um, 
it, it sounds fancy because, uh, but basically something, uh, a big venue got canceled. And so last minute they were able to split the venue and they came, they came to the school. Anyhow, she was talking about, she was releasing a book and here's, you know, Sonia Mayor and you're just like, wow. Um, so impressed, so impressive of a woman, so bright. And wow, did she walk you through a journey of like imposter syndrome, how it hurt when um, she was nominated as a judge, how, how many people questioned her and her mm. ability to do that. And it was so empowering to me to hear this woman who I just, you know, have her on a pedestal. She's incredible. Um, have those real feelings that we all have. And um, yeah, I'll be that much more loyal to her because she was willing to share that. Yeah. Uh, it's so true that that vulnerability is, is such a key piece. And again, yeah. it just, it's truly shared humanity. It's like the more that we can feel, it's like we have so it's just like waves, right? As humans, yeah. it's like, there's so many peaks and valleys in terms yeah. of where we see ourselves. And it's like, I feel like the more we can flatten that and the more we can start to see everybody, like you were saying earlier, you don't see color. And like, if we can just flatten that playing field and start to see each other the same way, and this goes, you know, it's such a a large scale thing, but then it goes down to our communities, just like you were saying too, with with the girls and their families and their communities, if they can they can show up differently then it changes the changes the dynamic of where they're at in their home or their community and so really it's like I, I think so much of what we're talking about today has been around just creating that equality or like leveling leveling the playing field and so much of it you know we talked about love and giving and kindness so much because i think that's the tool i think that's yeah. how you do it yeah and I'm okay with too with like just adding to that. Um, I've learned through a lot of the work that I've done myself is just honest feedback too. I think sometimes, you know, the topics of child bride and female genital mutilation um, are tough topics to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, honest, on, being honest too in relationships um, also helps drive change. And so, you know, having the ability to share um, feedback that's uncomfortable sometimes is really powerful as well. And so, you know, whether that's at a very personal level where you're sharing really honest feedback with your mom or your child, or it's in the capacity of work, you know, giving honest feedback also feels so good. It's because it's done with good intention. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, that's a little bit of stepping away from like, you know, this, um, having courage, but it, it's sort of wrapped in the same thing as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say it's right in there with courage. I think that's one of the, like for me on my personal journey, that's been a lot of it for me is yeah. avoiding confrontation at all costs yeah. and yeah. how that hurts me and it hurts others. Mm-hmm. And so being able to be like you're saying, have an open line of communication, be able to do that and just kind of be ready to respond in yeah. you know whatever because sometimes you're going to get a good response other times yeah. you're not but it's really important and it takes a lot of courage to put yeah. that out there it does but it really like you're saying it's really really meaningful because it allows 
as long as it's coming from an honest, loving place and not a place to out of critique or trying to put somebody yeah. down or something down, it's always going to be something that is healing and helping. Yeah. And ultimately that's like, you know, the, the conversation, the difficult conversations that um, we have with how to help drive awareness and, and, and action. Um, if you're so anchored in a, a truth, you know, that really helps you ground you for, um, you know, the, the barrage, maybe a feedback that you'll get that might be negative as well. Cause you're able to handle it in a way that, um, you know, is, is fine. You're the source of, of goodness, really, again, going back to that, you know, mm-hmm. being, the I think if you, what's the quote, like, um, if, if everybody likes you, you stand for nothing. And yeah. so sometimes being the change is not all like sweet and kind, you know, it's, it's, no. it can up and it, and, um, yeah, I remember when I came back from Africa, someone's like, you know, some of the commentary was like, Oh, did you change Africa? And it's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of an underlying sort of like, what are you doing? This is, you know, this is yeah. just um, not realistic. It's so utopian. And, right. you know, then, but, but I absolutely know that we are, I've met girls that have been transformed. So I know it to be true. Um, and I'm deeply anchored in that, that work. And so there's no question in my mind, I can handle that because um, there's no question in my mind, the change that, you know, we're driving the disruption piece is is so deep and real um, that it's my pleasure to, if they're willing to talk about it, I'll have that conversation about how we are changing Africa, Kenya specifically and Melinda even more specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I'm really happy you mentioned that because I do think that's a really, really important thing for people that want to make a difference to understand. And that's why I kind of mentioned it as part of my journey is you're not like so much of my kind of going back to what you're talking about, about shame is like um, rooted in always wanting like people pleasing and perfectionism for sure. And always wanting to people to like me or kind of validate me. And, Mm -hmm. but understanding that I couldn't fully make the difference that I wanted to until I was okay with some criticism. I was okay with some people not understanding what I'm doing. What does it mean to be a coach? You coach what it, you know, what does that mean? That's not a real career. Oh, you're starting up a podcast. Like who's going to listen to this? And, And you, but rooting in your mission. And we talked about this a little bit offline recently too, is like, into your why like what is it that you care about and so like you're saying like helping the girls for me it's like empowering people to make the difference that they want to once you root in those things yeah you can handle anything that's thrown at you because it always like it comes back to that bigger cause for you and that and your mission and once you have that you have the ability to to be that disruptor and because if you're going to be a change maker, <laughs> yeah. you, you are going to be a disruptor in some yeah. form. Um, you mentioned this early on patterns can't be broken until somebody's going to break it. Yeah. And so if you're going to be that person, if you want to be that person, mm-hmm. you don't have to become an aggressive, assertive asshole or anything like yeah, that, but you, all. but you do be, you do have to be willing to share your message confidently Mm-hmm. and know that just, and that not everybody's going to receive it well. And that's just 
or, or not everybody's going to care. You know, people aren't always going to not receive it well, but sometimes people just aren't going to give a shit yeah. and that's okay. It doesn't say anything about you. It doesn't say anything about your mission. Mm-hmm. You need to focus on the people that are excited about your mission that want to help lift you up and, and to kind of build you up and support you. Well, we, when we, when we talk about our LMU girls, you know, um, on that note of being confident and being disruptors and, um, you know, the tidal wave of pushback that they, um, will initially get is, is, is pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Um, yet the goodness that they offer with the income to the family, the role modeling to both the boys and the girls in the village is so powerful. So, you know, we, we, we help, um, I guess, build that courage. And we, we're also pretty realistic about, you know, it's Kenyans leading Kenyans as well. So all the, the leaders, um, the teachers and the owner of the college are Kenyan. And, and one of them is from the area where they do female genital mutilation. Um, and so they're able to talk through those stories and, and, and talk through the courage of like, how do you demand basic human rights for yourself? Um, how do you have a, a real voice? What does that look like? Like, let's mm. go through the dialogue and, and, you know, maybe at some root level, we all have to do that. Like where we have to, whether it's in your mind, mm-hmm. whether you have mm-hmm. like a confidant that you can kind of talk to, but, you know, sh- going back to sharing honest feedback, it's like, we always just teach the girls, like, you know, the, the, the truth is the best thing to go back to, which is just all I want here is, is to be able to use my voice. I want basic human rights and I want the ability to um, earn an income for my family. And, and so those, you know, we sort of have that, those three things that we focus on, but it's like having um, the courage and the confidence uh, for these girls is, is paramount because if they don't, uh, they're the tidal wave of things coming at them with like, um, you know, being property of their household, all these things is, is, is massive. Um, But we're so confident and we, we know our girls, I mean, they've already started you know, owning property and they rent the building, the rent, they rent the rooms on the left and the right side. And the husbands are now working with them. And so this is, it's, it's starting. Mm. So, so cool. Um, <laughs> so as we wrap up here, I want to, along those lines, if someone is like really, really interested in what you're doing, yeah. How do they learn a little bit more? Um, do they reach out to you? Is there a way they can contribute? How does that look? Yeah. Well, we, um, yes, they can reach out to me at elamugirls.com. Um, and they can donate. Um, all the money goes to the, the cause, to the girls, to supporting them with a the scholarship to go through uh, the two-year sewing program as well as get a sewing machine. Um, you can contact me on any of the social channels at LMU Girls on Instagram, at LMU Girls on Facebook. Um, I'm very active in it. So I'm Cindy and I'd be happy to you know collaborate with people, to brainstorm, to help and help them in any way I can direct them to some amazing charities that are, um, you know, both national and also local in Los Angeles. So. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. I will, I'm going to put all, all that stuff in the show notes below as well. Okay. So the people can, can check that out. Thank um, you. I just wanted to finish. I've got a, a three question segment here at the end. Okay. Called the, the visionary hat trick. Oh boy. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're all visionaries. Don't, don't be scared. It's not that big of a deal. 
Um, I, they're just kind of fun questions. Honestly, we, we kind of talked a lot around um, themes that I'm sure will kind of run into these for you, but it's really just kind of fun questions around um, you and your, your beliefs and your mission. So the, the first one is, and just quick answers here. Um, the first one is, what is a belief that you have that others may, may like say, like think is kind of crazy? Um, I think if you change one girl, you change the world. Hmm. Love it. (laughs) Second question then is with, for you and your mission and your vision going forward, what does that look and feel like? I think, um, we have a ton of schools, um, selling colleges around the world, um, but in the, in the immediate term, I would love, rather than turning away people, um, you know, taking in hundreds of girls into our program. Hmm. Oh, I love that. So good. And then the final question, we're zooming like way out here. <laughs> what is your hope for humanity? That we all have basic human rights hmm. from the start. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Kind of comes back to that. Just, just all, all, all the same, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you <laughs> so, so much. It's been so much fun talking to you. Okay. Time has flown by. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. You are, are so, so welcome. Thanks for coming on. All right, Ben. Take care. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.